No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. With me today is Heidi Schultz. Heidi is an attorney and she's a massive Trump supporter and she's also a immigration authority. And so, Heidi, thank you very much for joining us today. And let's find out more about you. Anything else you'd like to tell us, by the way, tell the audience? Yes, I've been an international tax and immigration attorney for over 17 years. I'm a terrific MAGA supporter. I love what's going on right now because a lot of people don't even understand, you know, why we even have immigration policy. And we have these two conflicting viewpoints. One that says, open the borders, let everyone in because we're such a compassionate, kind nation. And the other side that says, wait a second. How can we let everyone in when we can't even support the people that are here already? We don't know what they're going to be doing once they get here. We don't know what kind of people they are. We don't know what they're, you know, what jobs they're going to be taking. And we don't even know if they're criminals. So, you know, I kind of wanted to go over what are immigrants, who are the immigrants that are coming, and why do we care about it? So if that's well, okay with you, Ryan. Get to it. What is an immigrant? <laughs> So an immigrant, there are basically, you know, two, there's a immigrant, non-immigrants, and then there are the undocumented immigrants. So immigrants are basically the foreign nationals that come to the United States. They're permitted to live here and work in the United States on a permanent basis. They're called either permanent residents or they're green card holders. Uh, the Migration Policy Institute has said there's about 44 and a half million immigrants that now live in the United States. Those are, one, are the ones that have come here legally. So they've come here because they've either had close relatives or they have a special job skill set that has permitted them to fulfill a requirement that they're now permitted to come to the United States. So unlike immigrants that have come through the legal channels. Um, and then we also have non-immigrants who can come here on a temporary basis. So those kind of people, they come, they're like visitors. You know, you see them, they come here and they're vacationing on our beaches and they're skiing on our ski slopes and or they're students going to our universities. So those are non-immigrants. <clears throat> they're not gonna be here permanently. They're just here on a temporary basis. Uh, once their visa expires, they'll just they'll go back to their, you know, where they came from. And, and as part of that category, we also have what they're called like seasonal employees. And those temporary employees, they come here basically to perform certain jobs, agricultural jobs, you know, during the summertime when all our fruits and vegetables are blossoming and they have to pick the strawberries and uh, they come and they get this uh, temporary, it's called an H-2B visa. Uh, And at the end of March, uh, for example, Trump just released another 30,000 of these visas because 
for these seasonal employees because there was just such an overwhelming need that businesses were claiming they were going to close if they didn't receive these additional visas. So the Trump administration said, okay, businesses, if you can prove to us that you need a temporary uh, seasonal employee to come and your business is at a risk of closure if they don't come, then, okay, we will <clears throat> grant this additional 30000 So now it's capped at 66000 this year. Uh, and they said, you know what, the Department of Homeland Security said, well, if uh, someone has come here in the last three years and they've returned to where they came from, then we know that they're a good risk to give a temporary visa to because we know they'll come and then they'll return and go home. They're not going to stay here and become part of that last category that I'm going to go into, which is that undocumented immigrant. And the undocumented immigrant, we just have no idea how many of those are here because obviously they're undocumented. They've either- What are some estimates though out there? What are some estimates? Uh, yeah, well, what they've, what we are looking at is there's the, because we, we were able to, there's about, a, they're saying there's approximately 2 million, but I think that's it's a lot more than that. Um, the reason they're coming up with this number is they said, well, the, the dreamers, do you remember the dreamers? And uh, that was given the name dreamers in 2001 because the Senate was going to pass this dream act. They said, okay, these people that have come over, they were either small children, their parents left them at the border. They came to visit family members and then they just never went home. And then the Senate said, well, we're going to try to do something about this. And uh, it never got passed. They wanted to try to give them some kind of pathway to citizenship. Anyway, none of that happened. It was called the Dream Act. Um, and because of the Dream Act, and then after that, in 2012, we had Obama, which passed DACA, which you know was for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And when he passed that, we then were able to get a temporary a two-year visa that would be issued, work and residency issued, that would be issued to those people that came here temporarily, um, that were those DACA recipients. And so because they had a register, we know there are 780,000 of them. So that's all. I had to go around to tell you kind of the background so I can at least, you know, back up some of my numbers. Um, so that's how we got the 780,000. Oh, I'm learning. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, and then there's the the ones that come here on temporary protected status, and those were like the refugees, the asylum seekers. So there was another about 300, 350,000. So of those, that's about that takes care of about a million one to million two, and the, the, then they feel that there's another million that must have that came here, overstayed their visas. Um, or came over the border and, you know, those people we just don't even have a record of. So we know there's about one, two, one, three because of the DACA people and the, um, and the asylum and refugee seekers. So because of that, we, you know, we need to figure out what are we going to do with these DACA recipients because they're only here on this um, automatic two-year renewal period. And, you know, what happened was, you know, we there have been at least there have been a numerous, numerous um, bills that came before the House because they said, you know, these individuals have no pathway. There's like, what are we going to do? And when Trump came into office, there were 
10 state attorney generals that said they were going to sue the Trump administration if he didn't rescind DACA because they said, look, there's no reason that Obama should have issued an executive order to get, to provide these dreamers or you know now DACA recipients with this two-year renewable visa because it's, they said it should have gone through Congress. It's part of a law that should have been passed by Congress to address this problem of these minors that came here, you know, basically in 1985, they're looking at this group of people that are between the ages now of 16 and 35. Uh, so those, they're looking at that, that those group of people that were basically minors left at the border <clears throat> came and, you know, came here illegally and nobody has ever really tracked them. So they said this should have been addressed by Congress. This should not be addressed by an executive order, which can be rescinded by future administrations. It can be held unconstitutional by the federal courts. So uh, there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of you know angst about what was going on. So those 10 state attorney generals said, we're going to sue you. And then Trump tried to put pressure on Congress. He was actually putting pressure on them, saying, you guys address this. Come up with a law. Figure this out. We can't just have all these people here. And there's no way for them to continue to live here, except on this weird temporary two-year renewable visa that, you know, doesn't have any uh, significant uh, stability because it can be changed at any time. So it's like legal just, limbo, right? Yeah, exactly. They're in legal limbo. Okay. Perfect analogy. So, you know, they didn't act, you know, even though we tried to put pressure on them, Congress just didn't act. And then on September 5th, uh, that's when, uh, Trump rescinded DACA. He said, okay, you know, I'm getting all this pressure from all these state attorney generals. I've got to do something about this. So he said, fine, I'm going to rescind it because otherwise, my administration's getting sued. So he then rescinded it. And then at that point, that's when everything kind of went into this big, like, you know, you know, the fire. You know, everybody's like fighting now. Like, a liberal oh. meltdown that it sued. <laughs> exactly. A liberal meltdown. Like everyone's like, oh my God, what is going on? How dare he? And it was like, and it was like, wait a second, he was between a rock and a hard place. You know, here he is saying, We're threatening to sue you if you don't rescind it. You know, Congress was not passing any law whatsoever. They didn't want to act. And there are all these, you know, this like weird legal limbo, I'm going to use your term, where these, you know, these DACA recipients weren't going and getting any, you know, their issue wasn't being addressed. So since his, the, since now Trump's, you know, rescission, now we have you know, two district courts that enjoined and halted, you know, the termination of DACA. And then we had in Texas uh, in, uh, in May, the court said, while we feel that the plaintiffs which want to rescind DACA will probably be successful on the merits because it was unconstitutional to issue um, the uh, issue an executive order addressing these DACA recipients without having and without passing uh, going through Congress or going through the notice and comment provisions of the Administrative Act, then they said, but we feel like if we just rescind it, it's going to cause too much harm to everyone. So they just said, we're going to put this in limbo right now, and we're going to see if it gets, you know, if now it's going to go up the chain of the court system and, you know, finally get up to the Supreme Court. 
Um, so there are two arguments. I'll just give you the arguments for keeping DACA that the 15 state attorney generals have said is they said that removing these people automatically, willy-nilly, without like giving them any, um, you know, notice or hearing, just, you know, pulling the plug and saying, go back or deporting you. Uh, you know, first they're saying like a lot of these people have come here when they were children. So they've grown up, become uh, accustomed to the U.S. lifestyle. They've gone to school here and and now deporting them they might not even speak the language of the country that they originally came from uh, they say they pay taxes here they say that they pay out-of-state tuition at the colleges universities they say that removing them would upset the workplace it would damage their economies uh, and and New York is saying it would cost New York 38 billion dollars if we remove them. Uh, over a 10-year period. So because they said it would just disrupt their state, their state's statutory and regulatory interests. Uh, there are two legal issues that involve terminating DACA. Um, the one is that it would basically be unconstitutional because it would violate the Fifth Amendment, which gives that basically these DACA recipients have provided all their information to the government in order for them to receive this temporary two-year visa, and the government would be using that information to basically deport them. <laughs> so, and that would be, you know, you can't testify yourself. You have right. that Fifth Amendment privilege. So, so they're right. saying that would be <laughs> that'd be a violation of the Fifth Amendment. So they're saying, you know, we can't really do that. Um, the second, it would be to like, uh, you know, just abruptly remove them. It would violate the Administrative Procedure Act because they have to have a notice and comment provision where. The DACA recipients would have to be able to respond if they've said, you know, you're out of here, you're going to be deported tomorrow. They would have to have some type of ability to have a response to that. They just couldn't, you know, automatically deport them. Um, the arguments for terminating DACA that the attorney generals basically have put, uh, their 10, 10 states from attorney generals have said that the, they're not against immigrants. They're just saying that the executive order is unconstitutional because it should have been issued through Congress. So they're not trying to target immigrants per se. They're just saying, look, this, the way things are right now is legal limbo. <laughs> and we need to right, figure legal it out. Limbo. We need to have, heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> we need to have Congress pass a law. We need to do something about it. Uh, in 2017, before you know, before Trump issued that executive order, there were four bills before Congress and or in the House that never got out of the House because the House refused to vote on them. So it's it's so weird to me because you have these liberals which are you know are protesting the deportation and and everyone's saying, okay, well then why can't you come together in some type of resolution? to address these concerns, to figure out, okay, let's either, you know, give them a pathway to citizenship or give them more of something that's more like a 10-year renewable visa, or let's, you know, but this two-year renewable visa costs each one of those DACA recipients a few thousand dollars to always uh, apply. They have to, yeah, they have to apply, they have to pay a fee, they have to fill out the application. So it's not, it's expensive on them as well. So it's just, it's ridiculous, you know, when you think about how it's been proceeding. And, you know, and when you look in the past, you think, well, let's look at what, what is the, you 
know, the liberals like mindset, you know, like, and the only thing I could think of is I'm like, I look back and I think, okay, let's look back in history. Let's look at Tammany Hall, you know, from 1789. And you can see like soon after the formation of the United States government, you had this political machinery in New York that was basically synonymous with corruption. And they would let every immigrant, they wanted all the immigrants to come in and they would give them, like they would give them jobs, they would solve their immigrant problems, provide them baskets of foods on holidays. They would, you know, find them a place to live. They'd even help them to obtain citizenship. And why? because they wanted them to vote for the Tammany candidates for city and state elections. So I but as old as New again, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. So we're going back to the 1780s. And I'm like, this is the same thing that, you know, that the Democrats were doing back in seven, you know, that that the liberals, I should say that liberal corrupt um, group they were doing back in 1780s. And it's like, and Which it's just... But they, I get a lot of this because it's so so laughably funny because they say they want like all these immigrants to come in from, let's say, uh, in South Florida. There, there's a lot of Haitian immigrants right now, and the thing right. is, they oh, it's a humanitarian thing to do, so it's not humane to want to be able to maybe help out with what's actually happening in Haiti. The, so the Haitians in Haiti don't matter because they're not so Democrat. That's simple, uh, right? Right. right. It's, it's like they want them to come here to vote for them, and they say, you come here, we'll find you a place to live, we'll give you all of these benefits, and in exchange, we want you to vote for our candidates because we've made you dependent on us. But exactly, if you were really a caring Even though your relatives are still languishing in your country, yeah. by the way. Right. I mean, very, very, so very liberal of them. I know. I know. Come here. Come here. We're going to rip you away from your family, your ties, your jobs, bring you to the United States where you might not even speak the language. And we just we want to keep you basically sedated and we want to keep you involved enough to vote for us. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Unless, of so, course, you don't vote for us and then you're a non-person in legal limbo. <laughs> Right. Then you just continue to be in legal limbo. But again, remember that the liberals said they don't want to have driver's licenses and they don't want people to uh, have any kind of identification to vote. So then they want to try to round everybody up that doesn't have identification and bring them to the voting polls. You know? so <laughs> that, that hampers their ability to vote upwards of five to ten times if they have IDs. So they don't want to yeah. do that. Right. Right. So they don't exactly. And, you know, it's a it's a universal good. We want to alleviate suffering, but we need to have a valid value structure to guide and support like any kind of immigration policy we have, you know, because if we have like completely open borders and we say, OK, everyone come in, there's no method of protecting our economic or our physical security. We don't know who's in the country, what resources are needed. We don't know what assistance needed. We don't know about the policies to implement. We don't know if our country is even being undermined by, you know, jihadist forces or outside forces. You know, we have no idea what these people's agenda everything is. Everything that's logical that you just said, everything completely logical you just said would get you called a neo-Nazi on MSNBC. <laughs> And, and yet you're just looking at it logically and you're just saying, well, I don't understand. What is your support for this value system? Are you saying there is no valid, you know, value structure? You know, and if you even look at our founding fathers, like I said, OK, let me look back. What was the immigration 
policy of our founding fathers when they said like okay what are we going to do to try to pass some kinds of you know immigration laws and have like you know people come in and they were worried about the british you know because we were there was a revolution and we didn't you know we didn't know if the british were going to try to come in <laughs> and so they were worried and they thought the to themselves the original british invasion right exactly <laughs> and they were like saying you know if you're going to come you need to do two things and i and i don't see there's anything wrong with it you have to prove that you have good moral character and you have to take an oath of allegiance to support the constitution of the united states you know and you have to have loyalty to america that's it so i'm like thinking, you know, i don't know there's a lot of people I on TV, a lot of conservatives, like for instance, specifically out in you know, Texas and Southern California, see a lot of this. That they'll have these Mexican uh, parades, and they're not waving American flags; they're waving Mexican flags. And to exactly. me, that uh, seems to be exactly. a bad. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And why? Why are these people, if they want to come to the United States, why are they not supporting the United States and American values? Why do they want to support Mexican values? It's like, if you want to support Mexican values, that's great. I have no problem with that. Well, why a are whole you area that in that here? <laughs> that celebrate, there's a big area to celebrate Mexican values. It's called Mexico. Right, exactly. And, and I, it just reminds me, like Alexander Hamilton said in the 1780s, he's like, you cannot be in the United States and, and be against the United States at the same time. He said, that's called treason. You can't do that. You have to either be in the United States or for the United States. It's called treason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you, we start looking at, like, what is, you know, what is allegiance? And it's allegiance is supposed to be that tie that binds us to the country. And the country says they're going to protect us. And in exchange, the country wants our loyalty and they want our allegiance, that we are going to support the Constitution. You know, and it's like, why, why is this such a difficult value system to, you know, that this is what the founding fathers had envisioned for us. Well, Heidi, here's the thing. I, I know you're going to catch a plane. I know you're about to yeah. get that. And I want to kind of keep this one short because here's the thing. Everybody here may not already know is that uh, Heidi, I hope, will come by and talk on legal issues because I'm going to go into 2020 election. I have a sneak at immigration. And I hopefully I hear all the sirens in the background. I hope you don't have to disappear suddenly. I'm not going to be on top or anything. Am I making sure? No. <laughs> no, it's just part of being in Miami. <laughs> no, I understand that too. It's a great, it's a great place, but that's true. There are sirens. Uh, okay, well, Heidi, if, if people are looking, um, you know, to maybe connect with you, ask you questions on social media, where should they look? Uh, you can. I, I'm on uh, LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at Heidi. Heidi at hsholeslaw.com. That's uh, H-S-C-H-O-L-Z as in zebra, law, L-A-W.com. Uh, and I have a website, uh, LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter, Lawyer for Truth, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And uh, like I said, I'm a big MAGA supporter, and I hope that we are able to get our immigration under control and, uh, you know, we start getting our policies under control. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, Trump has just passed, which is really interesting, is he's reversing. We've had like 60. Sorry, I know you. I've got to go and you have to go. But it used to be 65 percent of the permanent 
um, residents that were coming here and getting issued green card holders were people that had close family relationships. And now, you know, Trump has just reversed that with his new policy and said, like, look, we want to have people that are, you know, that have a special job skill set or have, uh, you know, a talent. So we're reversing it. So we're going to say 67% of the people that apply have to have though have a special job skill set or, you know, instead of having just close family relationships, because before it was just people coming because they had family members here. I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, again, yeah. lawyer for truth, uh, Twitter, I believe. Uh, I always get social media right. mixed up because there's so many platforms. It seems like yeah. I deal with all these people. Um, again, you can find us, as always, we are www.newrightnetwork.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and a plethora of other social media platforms, all at New Right Network. One word, New Right Network. Thank you very much, everybody, and have a great day, Heidi, and safe travels. Talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.